well as recent birthday girls, Jess and Elle. How are you ladies doing? Uh, good, thank hey. you. <laughs> Hello, all. Let's start to talk real quick about something that I noticed the other day. It looks like Brian Kirkwood is going to be flying Hollyoaks solo. Um, the executive producer, Tony Wood, is apparently out, I think, now. And, um, yeah, it looks like he's going to be steering the ship by himself. What do you guys think about that? I actually think it's good, personally. Because yeah. all, all this all this chaos and confusion and like really, really bad storyline development and story and storyline growth and character regression has happened under Tony Wood and Emma Smithwick. All this stuff happened under their watch. So they have too many people trying to do too many different things and no one was held accountable. It's it's ridiculous. But hey, that's Hollyoaks. That yeah, was Hollyoaks at that particular <laughs> point, at that particular yes. moment under those yeah, circumstances. Um, when he was like in charge on his own last time, he did such a good job, and like some of the best work I think that has come out of Hollyoaks came from him. So I say, let him have the reins again. Let him do it again. And keep it moving. So we'll go ahead and do like we did uh, last time, and I think. Jess and uh, and L, this is going to be new for you guys. Um, before we get to our scene of the weeks here, we're going to go ahead and start by talking about uh, which moments over the past three weeks made you say, what in the hell? <laughs> and since you guys have birthdays, why don't we start with you, Jess, because I think you're the baby of the podcast. What moment over the last three weeks made you say, what in the hell? Oh, and... <laughs> When um, Will chucked himself off that thing and then he blamed Texas, I was like, what the... I didn't say how, but I said another word, but yeah. (laughs) I I was just like, what the... Why is he doing that? I hate you even more now. Yes. (sighs) See, that made you hate Will, but that made me love him. I thought that was excellent. I, I did not expect that at all. I think when I started watching Will, um, when I came back to the show, it was around the time that he was suspected of being the the serial killer when it was actually Silas. So when I initially saw him, he was kind of creepy. And I was like, who the hell is this creepy dude? So for the past few months to see him, I guess, normal, <laughs> it just seemed a little bland and, and not what I was used to. So when he, you know, had that moment of thought <laughs> and threw himself down the stairs, I was like, okay, this kid is interesting. Well, <laughs> I what I liked what about it was that as uh, Jay and I are the oldest of the group and we've seen a lot of soap operas throughout the years and storylines, it's usually the female character that throws herself down the stairs in order to keep a man this is the first time that I've seen a male character throw himself down the steps in order to infiltrate himself more into another person's life in order to make her stay with him for for other obvious reasons. He's his obsession with her. Yeah, I, I, I thought that Will making that step was good. I didn't make the connection that you just did on how a male character 
I did that, but I thought that was cool. Because he and to me, it kind of stepped his game up because before that, he kind of did a pimp move. <laughs> Dodger was just getting all of the love and adoration for his family. He was up. Uh, he even saved Will's butt when Will couldn't give uh, a speech to toast Dirk's and Myra's yep. engagement. And Will just like, oh, okay, I got this. He just took the microphone and secured himself a spot in the Attention Seeker Hall of Fame by purposely announcing his affair with Texas in front of God and everybody at that engagement party. And I just love that. You know, it seems like a lot of people online are hating on Will. Do you guys like Will or are any of y'all not feeling Will? I know, Jess, you said you're not feeling Will. <laughs> Does anyone like Will? Well, I didn't think What's anyone like Will. like Will. It's just they finally found a purpose for Will and and his motivation. Not a very good one. And it's all about him being extremely do- jealous over Dodger. You know, it's like they're they finally figured out. Okay, this is how we have to go down the route with him. It's not having him. Being just, uh, what's the girl's name? Ash's friend for 30 days and then saying he was in love with her. And then and then once he finds out about Ash and Allie, he disappears for an entire month. You know, nowhere to be found because they didn't know what to do with him. I mean, it's, it's playing up to the character's uh, uh, strengths and the motivation and trying to find and finding it and saying, oh, okay, let's make him do stuff because he's really jealous of Dodger. And he's totally, his inferiority complex makes him want whatever Dodger wants. You know, so now it's Texas. Even though Texas should never have sought out comfort from Will, the person that she thought was a serial killer. I mean, it's just... It's just craziness about Texas. They don't. They need to figure out what to do with Texas and Dodger because Texas should not be feeling this guilty and remorseful over cheating on Dodger, the man who has slept with half of the village, the female population of the village, and he's going to sit up there and talk about uh, uh, faithfulness and being cheated on and being lied to. I mean, it's it's like he can do whatever he wanted in his previous life and screw women over, but once he fell in love, no, he couldn't be treated that way at all, and he can't forgive that other person. Yeah, that's why when Dodger speaks, I don't pay any he, attention, oh, and I'm not moved the, at all. <laughs> yeah. I hate Dodger. He's good looking. He doesn't speak, and I will say this time and time again, just. Just be on the on the show, shirtless and wet. That's it. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. L, uh, how do you feel about Will? Oh, um, <laughs> that pretty much sums it up. But to be honest, I prefer like Will creepy psycho Will to Will boring whiny. Oh, yes. why is it always oh. me? Why does everybody hate me, Will? Because that's just boring whereas at least creepy weird psycho will is slightly interesting but um say i like him 
I'm, I'm, I'm kind of pleased in a way that now they're like playing him as a full on baddie because before they were kind of playing him as like the good guy that is occasionally a little bit creepy and inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But it's OK because he's like geeky and sweet. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, no, I don't buy it. Whereas now they're just like, no, he's a full on psycho. <laughs> and, and so, yeah. Yeah. Hand is one of your uh, notorious groans, some of how you feel about uh, Will as well. <laughs> uh, why? I just I just don't care. Like, I don't care that you can't use it. Do you know what? I usually have sympathy for people, right? But he, he, he threw himself down the stairs. He's feeling sorry for himself because now he can't walk. You yeah. threw yourself yeah. down the stairs. You twit. Oh, my God. And the worst moment, like, he tried to walk. He, mm-hmm. he can't feel his legs, and he gets out of his bed, and then falls on his face. And it's like, maybe I don't get it. I probably don't get it. But why would you try and walk when you can't feel something? Like, because he is actually insane, and he thought that he could will himself <laughs> to move. He summed it up think, because he called himself I, an idiot. <laughs> I think he was just being a stupid boy, and I think he's sad right now. But I think as soon as he figures out how to use that paralysis yes. to his advantage, he gonna be good to go, and it's gonna be all good. All right, L, let's keep it going. Let's go to you. What scene over the past three weeks made you say, "What in the hell"? Okay, um, well, it's two scenes to be honest, and it's I can just sum it up as Joel being the worst criminal in the history of man, <laughs> with the initial. Uh, attempt at murder where he forgot to actually check that his victim was dead before just setting fire to the <laughs> to a shed in the middle of nowhere and then like stopped halfway through to have a cry. So he's just like, oh my god, <laughs> worst ever. I'm surprised like, he his girlfriend did a better job yeah. at murdering than he did. Oh my god! It, I think it like says much when you're when Theresa McQueen is a better murderer than you. So um, yeah, um, and then his worst attempt at a robbery ever because like why would you involve Bart I wouldn't involve Bart in anything and, well, I'm trying to uh, figure out how that were they friends I, I don't know I'm completely baffled by that because, and then yeah. also I was like why why are they doing it in like they so they waited for like a 10 minute slot where Brandon was going to be out and he needed to be distracted why not just wait till the evening or something <laughs> just like having his tea and just nip in and get the money then because that would just be so much more sensible. I was just like, oh, Joel, Joel. Because I was like, seriously, Brendan, if you're going to have someone do an important job as murdering your own father, at least pick someone with half his brain. <laughs> to be honest, I wouldn't trust to go down shops and buy some like bananas or something. He'd probably come back with like half a bear. So I was just like, no, <gasps> sorry, end of round. <laughs> Yes, I think Justin and I have a different take on what happened with Joe, but I know I wasn't impressed when uh, I think it was him that asked Brendan why he didn't just kill his daddy. And Brendan oh, yeah. was like, what, what kind of pan do you think I am? A man that can kill my grandmother, but can't kill my own daddy. I was just like, dude, stop. <laughs> Han, what did you what did you think about uh, old uh, Joe Han? Jay what? I'm not, sorry, I'm not too bothered about... The only sort of good thing about this this whole thing is the fact that when Joel... When 
They left. He took Bart with him, or Bart took him with him. I'm just glad Bart's gone. <laughs> I don't really have any view on the story. I don't, just, it wasn't the, I don't know. It made Joel come across as really stupid. <laughs> but well, then again, yeah. never mind. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but it was just awful. It was all bad, but I'm just glad that it made Bart go. <laughs> I'm just Joel. in celebration about that. I'm so, I know oh, I know that one of you I know I think it's Hannah that loves Joel but like no that's no, me Jeff, oh Jeff. sorry Jeff. Me. I don't that's, love that's, Joel that's me okay I'm sorry just but like Joel his his time had come to leave because I mean I don't know I mean he is supposedly the son of Warren and he was so ineffective. As this, as this Bob, this wannabe mobster, you know, he couldn't do anything right. But the deal was that was not his fault. That was the fault of the writing of the story. And my hope was that, you know, once she who shall not be named left the show, Brian Kirkwood would have the opportunity to write some solid story for Joe because of everything, like. Even though I wish Jess was there in her place, I thought that Joel and Teresa were actually halfway interesting together, and I don't feel like that his character was explored. I mean, they kind of did with Joel like they did with Allie in some respects. Kind of, instead of having his character so bad and all over the place that he was ineffective, they just had him making these very weird decisions that weren't uh, sticking with the fact that he was one Fox's son, and he did not like Brendan Brady. There's no way that if he really hated Brendan Brady, he would have moved in it's with Brendan. House. Like two nights after he went to the club to claim that as his own. And, I mean, really, Joel gets sent to jail for whatever little petty-ass crime he did, but Brendan's still out of prison and he didn't kill three people and mutilated the body? I mean, what kind of message is that? That kid was so wasted and he was a good little actor and I think that was complete bull that he I, got sent off like that. And I didn't expect it. I thought somebody else was going to be leaving, but hmm. not him. Um, I, I was going to say, like, as well, it kind of, it was annoying that once again, like, murderers got away with nothing, got away with it. So, like, Joel, like, basically was part of his dad even if it was walker that eventually did it and he didn't ever got any kind of comeuppance for that which um given that all the previous serial killers on this show seem to have just got away with just like killing someone and then leaving the show and not having any comeuppance and bart as well was pretty much responsible for the deaths on you know the big crash week and again he got away with pretty much without any comeuppance for that either, apart from the fact that he had to leave. So, yeah, like, I, I would like one, at least one person that has murdered someone to finally get some kind of comeuppance on this show. Well, maybe they're <laughs> saving that up because well, I personally yeah. think they're, a Kirkwood's just trying to clean up these storylines and some of these characters that have been misused. I mean, I mean, yes, Joel, there could have been more for Joel and everything like that, but his... The direction for that character and the development of that character stalled right after Hollyoak Slater. I mean, he doesn't even try to find out if his mama is all right, you know, just to check on her. Because the last time he saw her, she was on the she was leaving the man that was beating her up. 
And then all of a sudden, like, you don't hear jack about the mama anymore. No. You know, you don't hear any, there's no follow-up to that. When Joel left, I was, like, really sad because he's, like, one of my favourite characters. And all the show keeps doing is making me hate it. So that was just another thing. And, like, oh, my God. And they made him look, like, really stupid in the way he was going on. And he's not stupid. He's lovely. He's amazing. And, like, the story they gave him was just rubbish. And then just walking away, like, no, that was just stupid. He needs to come back. Yeah. It just felt like not a lot of time or thought was given to his character and that just was really annoying to me but again i'm happy because things are looking up <laughs> so let's keep it moving diva what scene over the past couple of weeks made you say what in the hell all my scenes that were making me say what the hell were around esther that damn ruby and frankie now mm-hmm. frankie is Esther's grandmother, right? Right. Ruby's nobody. Mm-hmm. Ruby, they're not even getting paid to take care of Ruby. They're not getting a stipend. They're not getting a monthly uh, fee from her family for taking care of Ruby and housing Ruby and feeding Ruby and clothing Ruby. But that bitch is undermining Esther in front of Frankie. When when. Ruby had the gall to say, what did she, she was talking about how she lost her Jono and it, she, it was more important to her. And, and then Frankie said, well, I lost my daughter. And Ruby had the nerve to say it's different because that was her fiance. I just, and Frankie didn't say, wait a minute, hold up. That's my child you're talking about. I mean, Especially that Frankie is such a tiger damn mom and thinks the sun rises sun rises out and shines out of all her children's behinds. She could not stand up there and say, wait a minute, you're talking about my grandchild. It just, even if they did that, even if they did one little scene of her defending, defending Frankie and then trust then kind of like backtracking or something or just not following up on what is going on. But Frank is completely clueless about all this stuff that's going on with her grand, with her grandchild and the conversation that she had with her where she said, oh, you're making things difficult for us. And where is the child that she knew that, that would help her um, make breakfast she wasn't even like list- she wasn't even like looking and seeing her grandchild. It's just like, oh well, you know, everything's so difficult now. You're not the gar- you're not the daughter that or the granddaughter that I had before, and it's like you're not even focused or trying to look and see what's going on or find out why she's changed. You you just don't ask them. You kind of follow through. You kind of like go around and talk. To, you you find out. You make the point because you are the parent. It's not just up to the child to tell you what's going on. That that just all the adults in this storyline are completely ridiculous. And that whole Jess and Tilly thing, it it just Jen and Tilly thing. It's just totally inappropriate time. 
for them to come back with that surrounded by Esther's situation. It's like, oh, well, I get a chance to hook up with my girlfriend again. And Jenna is all worried about, oh, well, well, Esther might tell. It's like, do you not understand that she's, you, you see what's going on and all these people are throwing piss at her. They hooked her up in that stairwell. Like, and you think that Esther's worried about you hooking up with, with Tilly? Mm, yeah. Ridiculous. I thought that it was a really ridiculous scene as well with the um, principal of the school when he took her the head yeah. like the headmaster and he took him in and he was just like, Oh, look what you're doing to Ruby and Sinead. I was just like, you know she's being bullied. Why why would you just oh worst headmaster ever? And you know, as, some, as somebody that worked in the school, I can say, I mean, that is a reality that some students end up facing. If you're dealing with an incompetent adult in the uh, bad position, that's exactly what those students get. And it's utterly ridiculous. But the and, fact that... Uh, Elle, you just elaborated on what was exactly my what the hell scene over these past few weeks. When I saw that scene, I wanted to punch my laptop. I swear, it was like I turned into Bruiser Brady. Esther's damn principal telling that poor child who has been increasingly bullied since, you know, Halloween going forward that she needed to be mindful of the death of... Uh, Ruby and the suffering she was going through and and, and that's just where the scene ended and I was just like what kind of message is this to send to young people Uh, I mean that this is how the adults are gonna gonna treat them you know Denise I'm not surprised by the way Frankie has been acting only because I have now been socialized to expect her to think that she's gonna be the stupidest human being (laughs) on the planet earth I mean it's ridiculous all of the adults on this show are being written as if they have no brain cells in their head and Hollyoaks didn't always used to be written like that I don't understand I mean there could be just one adult i mean and there is there were two adults i mean mitzi and maxine but you know and i understood why maxine said something to um to ruby because she thought ruby was her friend like who would you why would you imagine that why would anyone imagine for that fact that the bully would be living in the house that is that is not even a relative I thought that was not cool either because you don't go tell some child that is not related to that girl. You tell the parent in that situation. But, when when Maxine did that, I understood, but I just felt like, here we go. We have another grown-up. Mm-hmm. Okay, Maxine is older than all of them. And no, does she do the logical thing, which is to tell the adult? No, let's tell a, another child who really don't have anything to do with uh, her friend except for Oops, she's the one that's bullying. Like, you know, if it wasn't for the fact that Monday's episode is so good, Kirkwood stuff has started, and I have such high hopes for what's going to happen next, I'd have more to say about this. But I feel like this is all a moot point now because we're about to get quality storytelling, and I completely love it. Let's go ahead and jump to uh, the scenes of the week. Uh, my, oh, I've kind of got two, but... Uh... 
well, no, the main the main one was um, I really liked the scene where Myra and Mercedes made up. Mm. Um, just I thought it was a really nice scene, um, and it was really kind of sweet, and it was nice to see the more vulnerable side of Mercedes because, like, as much as I enjoy her being a complete and utter psycho bitch, <laughs> I quite like seeing that nice vulnerable side to her as well. Um, and I think it was nice having them sort of make up because I don't like seeing those two at each other's throats. Um, and my other sort of like a tag on to that, my other favourite scene, um, was just, it was more of a, it was the scene where Myra went to go and see um, Dr. Browning in the office. Um, and she was describing her hangover and she was like, it's the shadow, it's getting to me. And then when she when she went to leave and she was like, Oh, you're, you know, Mercedes has been with loads of men, <laughs> but you're in the top three of ones like to survive. <laughs> I was just like, it that just made me funny. laugh that scene. So, yeah, I liked it. Yes. I think they're both um, quite, uh, both those characters are quite funny in that, like, so I think they work quite well together. Yeah. Yes, I, I agree with that. I was laughing at that scene too, although I thought what she was describing was acid reflux. <laughs> so, <laughs> Dee, what about you, darling? What did you pick for your favorite scene of the past couple weeks? Um, My scene of the week, what I liked about it was here is, and again, the, the, the clear dysfunction that is being shown in that household and in that environment is that Cheryl is so focused on her family being together, her little dream world that her of her, in her mind, her delusion that her family is like this perfect thing that if they can all just get along, it'll be perfect. And there is Brendan, who basically is jumping out of his skin being around this man and Seamus is around him Brendan knowing that Brendan can't stand to be around him and he's he's battling his children against one another he's he has coolest Cheryl with her fantasy of him being all this perfect family if they can just get along and then there's Brendan who knows the reality and he's sitting up there watching this all and just sitting back and letting them go at it. Because even though Brendan has the goods on him, he knows that Brendan hasn't sitting. And that's the confusing part for me because Brendan could burst that bubble and just be like, this is the reality. And hey, he may lose his sister, but that man will be out of his life. And if he wants to have any sort of peace and resolution and change why wouldn't he get this man out of his life in the normal I mean in the not even the normal way but in a way that would benefit everybody because he knows that Cheryl will come back to him eventually she's done it before in the past I mean and this time she doesn't need to be put in the hospital or see him commit an actual dismemberment of a body I mean but I get it I get it it's all about the drama and they want to build this thing up to where he can't do anything else but sacrifice himself for his love 
of 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 of, uh, of Stee. But this whole thing with the father and 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 him finding the kid and and no one seeing how Brendan reacts around him. That's like the weirdest thing in the world to me because Brendan is supposed to be the big type, big man, the 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 powerful man, the mob bot, the mob guy, and he he's reduced to like this trembling, scared, like twitchy person around this old man. No, so, Dee, are you saying that that's your favorite scene of the weeks because he looks like a punk? Or yeah, <laughs> what you saying, bro? I think it does. Yeah, because it, it's reduced <laughs> to what he is, but nobody else sees it. That's the, especially Steve. I mean, for Steve to be so in love with this man, he doesn't recognize it, and the fact that he's still so he's still being stupid. I thought Steve had known that Brendan was abused by his father, like physically abused with beatings and stuff. When that conversation, when he was having that conversation about uh, Brendan trying to get his father killed. And Steve was like, oh, because he hit you, right? It was just like, like he had never, never had that conversation with him before. Like, Steve knew two years ago that Brendan was abused by his father. So I'm trying to figure out how that was being so, like, a shocking revelation for Steve at that moment. Do you remember I watched that scene after you guys told me about it? It really wasn't that clear. I mean, it just, basically all the guy said was, I fought my dad at one time and he left me alone. Like that's that's pretty much all that was said, and it it wasn't that that well put together to to tell you the truth. So I'm I'm not wholly surprised that he he didn't know that. Um, I'm glad to talk about this though, because for me the most uh, disturbing thing about that whole part of the storyline was that little Charlie went missing, and Seamus found Charlie. And Brendan found out that Seamus found little Charlie. And not that this was to be expected of Brendan Brady, but knowing that his pedophile father, who had sexually abused him, was in the vicinity of another little boy, didn't do anything to make him open up his mouth to tell Mm -hmm. Cheryl what had happened or Nancy what had happened or anybody what had happened. So the next day that little boy went and gave him a thank you Mm -hmm. card and had me thinking, oh my God, Jesus, I hope they don't make this little boy sexually abused. So I'm curious, was anybody else bothered by the fact that Brendan's silence about his dad's abuse really left Charlie kind of vulnerable to Seamus? His silence is what is keeping Seamus in town. If, 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 if Brendan would open his mouth, all of this would be resolved. All of this. That he cho- of- he's cho- and I don't understand why he's choosing to not open his mouth. Because, yeah, he may lose Cheryl and her and her sisterhood or whatever for maybe a month or two. But he's done it in the past and she's come back in the past. But he has this he has this threat. In the village, there are tons of kids around. He would be. He has a responsibility to speak up. He's not a 10 year old little boy anymore. 
Now he killed his grandmother because she kept silent. Is he going to kill himself because he he kept silent if Seamus does anything to one of these kids? That was perfect. I did not think that that was perfect. Oh, because I wish he I would have responsibility. That. I mean, honestly, that that is you can you cannot have said that any better. That. I was just going to say like I agree with you 100% he needs to speak out, but I can kind of see it from his point of view. I think he's kind of as much as he is now a grown man, I think every time he's with his father, he's sort of reduced back to that scared little boy. And I think he's just, I can imagine that he's just like completely in a way ashamed of what's, you know, ashamed of what happened, even though it's not, it's totally not his fault. Like, I think he's sort of embarrassed and he doesn't want to admit it because it's kind of admitting. I think he'll, he'll feel like it's admitting that he was weak. um, And, he doesn't want to be vulnerable. He doesn't want, I think he just doesn't want people to know basically um, because I think they maybe also, I think it's probably added to it that, you know, with him being gay, like he, I think he maybe like is worried that so maybe some people might think, Oh, you know, he invited it or he wanted it or, you know what I mean? Like, I think, I think it's a lot more complicated for him than just oh like he should speak i mean the way he reacted when he saw seamus with um charlie you know he was absolutely sort of straight away running tried to like got charlie to go off to the cinema and stuff um but i just think he he's not as much as he like has all this bravado i don't think he's brave enough to come out and and tell the truth i don't think he's got sort of I think he's too afraid of what people think of him um, and too afraid to make himself vulnerable to other people um, by being honest and sort of letting his guard down and being, um, yeah, just being allowed to be vulnerable and open to um, what other people think or open to criticism. I mean, it's his, like, it's his, in a way, his biggest secret I think he's just so scared of how everyone else will react to it that, you know, he doesn't want to give it up. I'm going to tell you, I would feel that if you were writing the show and it was in the script. But since it wasn't in a damn script, all it played like to me was, really, mister, I murdered three people, I beat my boy every other minute, can't step to your daddy and even say, you will not come out of it. You will not come into my house. You know what you did. It takes two sentences. It is not that damn deep. Do you have a thought about Bruiser keeping his mouth shut and letting Charlie kind of stay around the vicinity of Seamus, who I keep calling Seamus? (laughs) See, I I don't recall his reaction. I remember the... uh, I remember... Didn't oh, I don't remember? But I don't re- recall the reaction with when he saw Charlie and him together. So I don't remember that. But either way, while Elle is right about what she said, you are also right about what you said because if it was written that way, we'd believe it that way. But it's not written that way. It's just written as a normal old Hollyoaks crap that doesn't really involve too much detail into anything, and then it ends up being really a bad storyline. <laughs> So yeah, that's all I have to say on that. I don't really know. Now, yeah. this is this is the cycle of abuse. That if it's not dealt with and if it's not talked about, it could be repeated. 
because these people don't know how to how to react to stress in a in a normal way when you have stress you don't go off and and let it fester and 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 and, and percolate and stew until you go off on the one person that support that cares about you you don't take it out on your wife or your kids you don't you don't do that that's not normal behavior Just baby girl, you were up next. What did you pick for your scene of the weeks? Um, it was um when Myra was really drunk in the pub and she was actually just saying what she thought about everyone. Yes. Like, oh Jesus, yes. My favorite bit was when she called Darren the reject of Take That. <laughs> 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 that was. Was that and the bit after when he said something about? Like, it's styling wax. And Nancy was just like, is that what you're <laughs> most concerned about? <laughs> I don't know. I thought the best line was when uh, she told Tony all he slept with was slappers and her daughters went, hey. <laughs> yeah. But she was being honest. I'm telling you, when the, Mike, when the McQueens get a bit of alcohol in them and they start telling truths, because... Yes. That was that was a perfect scene. That was it reminded me of when um when Carmel got drunk on Christmas and was telling people yes. truths. Yes. But I love that because when she called when she called Nancy oh Yoda <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Oh my god. I think we should start a petition as well to get Myra in the opening credits. We should get any older adults in there because it doesn't make sense. I saw that. Somebody else had put that. They did put uh, the new guy in. Yeah. So yeah he's hot. Pick, I mean, need to have Myra in there. And he hadn't done anything. He hadn't been on the show since 2006. I mean, Myra <laughs> is so much more of a, a main character than some of the characters right. that they've got in the opening credits. It just seems ridiculous that she's not is that. that there? Is Frankie there? No. No. Frankie and Jack are, are on the opening credits. I don't think Dirk is either. No, nope. I prefer them to do it. I, I'd like them to do like a retake of them, but with like maybe like the different family groups. Exactly. It, it just bugs me that, that like because I I mean I watched it one time with um my family and they were just like, are there no adults in this show? I was like, yeah, they're just not allowed in the opening <laughs> credits <laughs> because they're too old. <laughs> because just like they do the special scenes for the individuals, they could do some individual scenes because everybody on the show doesn't have family. And then for the ones that have family, they could do something real quick with the whole family together. That would yeah. be great. I yeah, just I think, think the whole purpose, like their whole, and which is kind of kills them each and every time because it's Hollyoaks is looked at as the teen show and the hip show. And, you know, this it, it's fashion and beauty and like, you know, and they, they kind of chop themselves at, off at the knees about that because then they don't get like the kudos when they do something really good in a storyline but because everyone thinks all Hollyoaks is this dumb pretty people mm-hmm. you yeah. know that's what they think about it so I've never I, I've actually never seen um, Myra or Jack or Frankie in the opening credits and this show has been on the air for over 15 years, right? Yeah. And their cred- their opening credits, you never see anybody over the age of like 30. Yeah. I think Tony's probably about. Oh no! Well, now um, 
Do- uh, Dodge's dad. Yeah, but before Dodge, that, yeah, it was always Dodge. Tony that was like the only sort of adult adult that was allowed. Yeah. Um, so Jess, we did your scene of the week, baby girl. I'm gonna say mine. My scene of the past few weeks was John Paul claiming his goddamn baby. Okay, <laughs> because I was sick to death of that that whole contrived foolishness of, oh my baby has arrived, but I'm going to pretend like I don't know this is my baby. That was not in character for John Paul. I think that was completely stupid. So I'm glad that it was over. Although, I can do with more scenes of him taking full responsibility yeah. for the child rather than ignoring the baby when it cries on the monitor or not wanting to change his baby's diapers. A mature gay man raising his fucking child, please. I already got enough foolishness to deal with watching Will Brady on Days of Our Lives. I don't need this on Hollywood. Well, you know, eventually that Matthew is going to be up in that closet with Kathleen Angel and we'll never see him because like we'll never see them again until we have to have a scene with the baby. But <laughs> And then they'll randomly come back and they'll be like 15 and in love. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just be like, no. That's the uh, one thing I just do not get about this. I mean, you want these people to have all these kids, but then you don't take the time to include the kid, keep the kid involved in, 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 the, in the story or part of that character's life. I mean, Teresa's running around in these hot shorts, and she's never <laughs> with her daughter. More she's importantly, her daughter. where is Terry? What have they done with Terry the dog? Who's here? What dog? Terry, Isn't that Phoebe's dog? Dog. He's disappeared ever since like her husband died. The dog's disappeared. What dog's <laughs> dog? Terry. You know Jackie. Dog. Wait, Jackie had a oh, dog. That's Phoebe. What? Wasn't that Phoebe's dog? Wasn't that Phoebe's dog? <laughs> Yes, don't you remember? Because when the show started, that's how Phoebe and Jackie met. Because uh, Phoebe's dog had ran over to Jackie, mm. and uh, Jackie didn't realize that it was Phoebe's dog. And so then they kind of was fighting over the dog, and then they ended up coming together. See, I that's, never that's seen Jackie like... around a dog, so I like I'm completely clueless. Yeah. But you know what, hey, Brian Kirkwood said he's going to take the show back to family, back to basics, back to family. So hopefully that means that uh, we'll get to see more of the dogs and more of the kids. I mean, I'm not saying that the kids have to be attached to their dance, but it it doesn't make sense, especially when I watch like Coronation Street or Emmerdale or East. I mean, they keep the kids. 20 minutes, let's go. I don't want to talk about these goddamn children. I'm sick of them. I hope Silas got them. Go somewhere. Let's talk about my boy Dennis. That's who I want to talk about because my boy is back. Thank you, Jesus. And everybody's here who loves Dennis, so we can talk about Dennis. So how did you guys feel about Dennis coming back from Hawaii? And I'll tell you now. He did come come back from Hawaii, right? So just in time to kind of comfort Leanne. But then Leanne acted like she didn't want to do anything, to have anything to do with him. So what did y'all think about Dennis coming back and Leanne treating him the way she did? Leanne is an idiot. (laughs) I think out of all of the men on Hollyoaks, I don't care how attractive some of them are. If 
I had a choice, I would date Dennis every time. He's sweet, he's lovely, he's devoted, uh, he's just, he's hilarious. You would never stop laughing if you went out with Dennis. I think he's brilliant, so there's my piece. Leanne, you're an idiot. I love him. <laughs> you sounded like you were describing Doug to me. And mm-hmm. I, I think, was it, was it... Was it Dennis and Doug they put together around the time that he was trying to get married to Leanne, or was it Dennis and Steve? It was Dennis and Steve. Well, no. Oh, yeah, it was Dennis and Steve, because Dennis was, like, kind of, he kind of uh, felt, he kind of understood where Steve was coming from, watching the man that he loved, marrying someone else, and it was about Dennis watching Leanne marrying Doug, and Blah blah blah. I want Dennis and Doug to be friends because I feel like just the way that they've been treated in their relationship, they will have a lot to talk about. I mean, Dennis has shown her that he would do anything for her, and she still doesn't want him. So I'm done. I want Dennis to find somebody else, and I hope yeah. they do it. I really hope that they, <laughs> they create somebody and have him fall for her, and have her fall for him. And have her be like, you know what? <laughs> Tell, telling telling Leanne, you lost your chance. You lost it because I've heard him talk about you. And I've heard him say that all the times that I've wanted to be with you. And you've turned him down. Him feel second best. You made him feel less than. Not intentionally. Not intentionally, mind you. But Dennis sees somebody who's going to be like, you know what? I want you. And I want that woman to fight. Leanne. I want her to be like, uh-uh, you ain't coming in here. Nope. Yes. Well, after Leanne decided she ain't want him, I decided to start shipping Dennis and Carmel. And he sure seemed like he got them messed up. I think he's gonna be done with old girl, and I'm glad for it, because I do not want him to be Doug number two. Uh, a lot of Kirkies around. Hopefully we won't have to worry about that anymore. So now I'm shipping... Uh, so Joel is gone, so I'm shipping Jess and... Who's, who's the name of the deaf guy that you like on the show, Jess? Dylan. Uh, and Dylan, okay. So Jess and Dylan and L and Dennis. There we go. <laughs> Those are my two couples. <laughs> All good. All right. Uh, Hannah. Hey, Hannah. Hey. How you feel about Dennis being back from Hawaii, Mama? You like Dennis? Oh, yeah. I love Dennis. He's the best. I'm so glad he's back. Um, but I want to, I'm glad that they seemed... I think... I don't want to say that they've ended it yet because, God, this is Holly Oaks, so I don't think I don't think they know how to end storylines. But I hope that he keeps away from the end. And you know what? I'll get on the show, and then we can ship you two together. Sorted. You'll treat him well. Okay, Han. Why don't we go ahead and do your um, scene of the week, darling? Okay. Well, yeah. I I'm just gonna go ahead and say that um, the uh, the Esther suicide episode was one of the better episodes and the most better well handled episodes I've seen in a while Arleo. it's like an actual episode where the issue was sort of handled in a in a way that I haven't seen them handle an issue for a long time like it actually seemed like they were handling it and then they were sort of they were doing it from all different angles as well and like they involved a lot of the people in her life and they made sure to show from like what they were doing wrong and stuff like that. It's like an act. What it, I, what I would presume actually happens. I that they end. This people end up feeling isolated. So, and um, the girl who plays Esther, Jazz, I think her name is. She, Jasmine she, or something. She, Jasmine. She needs all the praise in the world because 
I don't know, it's just a really good episode, in my opinion. Everything that was done that was jacked up over all this time concerning that storyline was addressed in the episode. You okay. saw adults not paying attention to her and her, you know, obviously needing some type of assistance. You saw some kind of a connection between Jen and uh, Tilly's uh, sexual, whatever the hell they were doing, and what ended up happening with Esther. There's the attempt, and then the concern that I had about uh, Frankie yelling at Esther in the grand scheme of things made sense in yeah. the moment. And then got that goddamn ruby made me wishing for a car door to fall out of the sky where she stood and knock her dead right there next to Esther. It was, it was, it was phenomenal and at the end of it I, I, just, I, couldn't, I couldn't believe it I did not expect that at the end of it I see Hannah tweeting yeah, oh my god it's Emma Smith's name going from the credits <laughs> and it, then it all came right on home to me I was like yeah. oh why does this seem familiar this seems like a good episode of EastEnders huh <laughs> I wonder why you know, I... it's like everything Brian Kirkwood learned at EastEnders he took and injected in Hollyoaks in the most logical, perfect, beautiful way. It was excellent. It was say, from the beginning to the end. It was excellent. And if that is what we have come to, is that it's going to be the new standard for Hollyoaks, we ain't going to have too much to bitch about coming these next uh, few months. So I can't wait. Yes, it is about the drama and it is about the entertainment. But when you take things, you take reality-based um, storyline topics you don't you just don't take all the reality out of it and just do dramatic things in it just because you, it's, it's, it's a soap I mean, you, there has to be some sort of responsibility behind your, the development of the storyline you can't do something halfway and then and then drop the ball and don't take responsibility for people getting confused about what they're seeing. You, you have to be responsible. Yeah. And I don't care if it's a soap, I don't care if it's daytime, I don't care if it's prime time. There is a responsibility when you talk about topics such as rape and topics as, as domestic violence and topics as um, uh, uh, sexual abuse. Uh, and suicide you have to there has to be some sort of importance behind that topic especially when it's based on a teen soap opera you know because a lot of teens want to say you know I, I i i i'm responsible i don't just think that it's it i just don't watch these shows and say and 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 not know that it's based on reality but there are a lot of people who don't and you have to think about those people. You know, they because some of them, they don't really have anybody telling them that this is not how, rea how it is in the real world. And sometimes you have these kids who are involved in situations pertaining when they're thinking about killing themselves or they're in a domestic abusive situation or they're being or they're being sexually abused. They need to know that there's somebody there who's going to listen to them. 
And just because that perpetrator may be hot, that perpetrator is still guilty. And just because he has a damn mustache doesn't mean that, oh my God, I'm supposed to empathize with him. everybody so ladies uh, what closing words do you guys have for our faithful listeners well I'll go ahead and start Um, I am glad that I'm going to get a lovely treat on Monday and I don't have to see that woman whose name shall not be named on the (laughs) credits now I just gotta wait two more months two more months And then I can finally see John Paul as the final image in the opening credits. Because you know that's going to happen. Boom. That's my piece. What you got, Elle? Yes, I am uh, very much looking forward to Monday's episode. And uh, yeah, I can't wait. So, Um, And I've been sort of enjoying the last couple of weeks. Although I would be quite happy if Texas got shipped off to another country and never came back. But I am more than happy that Bart is gone. I just wish the Lions had got him first. Uh, I agree with that. That was still funny, girl. I agree with that wholeheartedly. You know, I've tried... I just can't get with Texas, man. That Lindsay, the actress that played her, she was excellent. Like, I really liked her, and I thought she was great. But I just don't have the passion for Texas. And I live in I Texas. I can't I can't do it. I just... Uh, to be honest, yeah. like, people moan that Doug is whiny. To be honest, Texas made Doug look like Happy the Clown. Mm. He just... <laughs> <laughs> all the time I'm just like, oh, just <laughs> <laughs> oh lord well I am with my girl that one and uh, with my girl Elle on that one and Denise too uh, I will say thank you Brian Kirkwood for making the decision to return to Hollyoaks your stuff is already looking good look here I will talk about you if you go crazy but I am glad that you are starting off well and that makes me happy Um, what I will say in closing is um, thank you guys all for listening to our show if you want to know where we tweet and where we tumble visit us at the holyoakspodcast.tumblr.com and click on the answering anonymous link to find out Uh, you can also be the first person to email us at holyoakspodcast at gmail.com although to be fair I haven't checked that email in about two months so somebody probably has if you have emailed us sorry I'll try to get to you so thank you again to each of you who've been listening to us liking us, blogging, reblogging us and all that stuff uh, we appreciate it and I think that's it so until next time I'll just say bye y'all bye, <laughs> bye. Dennis, call me <laughs> you are so silly <laughs> oh.